Yeah, never been a lazy person. Um, you know, always wanted to try to do things as ethical as possible. So, um, you know, I always wanted to work. You know, even when I was, you know, younger than that, I wanted to work and do small things and, you know, do chores around the house and go help people out, you know. So, um, yeah, I knew that, you know, if I wanted something in life, I was going to have to work for it, you know. So I wasn't afraid to put that work in. Quick aside about nothing. Me moment. Uh... When you mentioned doing chores, man, my, my mom beat me one time. <laughs> right? And she beat me because, I, in hindsight, I was really stupid, but I might have been seven or eight. Maybe, no, I say six or seven. And I was trying to be nice. So I was doing some stuff around the house just out of the goodness of my heart. And um, she paid me for it. And I was like, nah, I don't want the money. And she was like, no, take the money. She was teaching me a principle, but it wasn't really a full conversation. It's like, take the money. So I took the money and I cut it up. And right, that face right there, <laughs> that face right there says, wow. you know how that story ended. Yeah. But she, um, she beat me and, and um, my, my dad told her she couldn't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was. <laughs> so my, my mom goes from here to there. Like there's only, most people know one side of it. Right? Like she could never. Yeah. Um, but I say that in, it was true, but I say it in just in terms of um, understanding money principles early. Like, how do you think that has impacted? You mentioned opening the bank account early. I think I've been a member at the at the credit union for 38 years. <laughs> I'm 44. So my mom kind of did that too, right? And and at the time I didn't understand it, but she was like, we put five or ten dollars a week, like we increased it as we could. And early on, I'm thinking that's that's nothing. But now understanding that I got five kids and what that can do and how it can compound makes a lot of sense. What's good, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Blueprint series, where we have conversations from the intersection of family and finance. I'm one of your hosts, D. John. Philip Washington, Jr. Today, I mean, by this episode, you know the drill. Only the best of the best on the show. We got the good brother, Kevin Butler. Welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I'm doing good, D. Man, I appreciate you guys having me today. Glad you made it here, man. Uh, so for those, we got a few people that have been sleeping under a rock, right? So they might not know who you are. Okay. How do you present yourself to others when you're asked? Well, my name is Kevin Butler. I'm from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I grew up in Oakland, California. Um, I've been here in Dallas, Texas now for the last 17 years, since 2006. Um, I'm currently an owner of a construction company, Butler & Butler Construction. And we also own a commercial masonry company, um, Butler & Butler Masonry. And then I do some small developments in real estate as well. Huh. Casually. Casually. <laughs> Casually. We're going to get into all of that, man. Okay. First... You kind of you, you, you kind of started laying out your, your origin story a little bit. Uh, Mississippi to Oakland. Compare and contrast that. Kind of walk us through that. Man, yeah. So two totally different spectrums of the world. So Mississippi is kind of my southern roots, a uh, very hospitable state. Um, it's where my mom and my dad are both from. Um, so I'm born there, but we moved there for, at an early age um, to California. Uh, my mom had an aunt who, uh, who didn't have any kids. But my mom is one of 11. Ooh. So um, the aunt who didn't have any kids asked my grandma because she raised my mom. And so she raised my mom in California where she was at. So Wow. Yeah. Mm. Favorite part about Oakland? Favorite part about Oakland? Uh, man, just a lot of memories, right? So I mean, a lot of my friends uh, I met there that I'm still very close to to the day. Um, and I think just Oakland just being a kind of a, a gritty city and kind of instilled some principles in me that, are, that helped me be successful today in life. So just understanding how to navigate um, how to you know come through some adverse situations. I'm um, understanding you know just how to how to connect with people, and I think it's kind of helped me to become successful to this day too. Very dope, man. We uh 
we went to a a a festival, a music festival in Napa last year, but we spent some time in Oakland. Very first time going there. And it was just like what I took away was the the pride in us, right? Absolutely. It was black people were willing to help, you know what I mean? Just kind of like navigate, stay away from there, go over here, hit some spots to eat. And very um it, it feels like even as a visitor, it's kind of like tight knit. Absolutely. Like what what are some of the principles from growing up in Oakland that specifically contribute to how you operate either as a man or as a businessman or how you live life? Well, I, I would definitely agree with you. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand, but Oakland is one of the origins, uh, the originations of the Black Panther Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people that live in Oakland that have a lot of Southern roots, people that have migrated from Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama that migrated to California. So even though Oakland's a West Coast city, I mean, it has a lot of Southern roots in its origin. Um, and just strong, eclectic people that have, you know, outside the box thinking. So um, they're very prideful um, in, in their culture. Um, and I think the things that I took away from, from being in Oakland was that even though I was a young black person, that I could still make it and become somebody. And those were, I think, things that were instilled in me from coming from that particular place. So. Would, would, would you say Oakland has a, because every area has its own distinct flavor, but does it have a, it feels to me, I've never been, but if the way people describe it, it feels like Oak Cliff here. It is, man. So, I mean, there's a, there's a huge African-American population in Oakland. I think the city of Oakland maybe have, has about 450,000 people in it, but it's a predominantly African-American city. Um, and, you know, just people just have a mindset of, you know, working hard. I mean, obviously, you know, areas, you know, that are poverty stricken, you know, they're going to have some rough areas and things like that. So it's, you know, it's not ex exempt from anything like that, but the people that come from there, man, they're intelligent people. They're hardworking folks, man. Um, I mean, I, th I think just, you know, ideally for me, you know, the hospitable part of me from coming from Mississippi and then just understanding the grit, hard work, you know, pridefulness, you know, um, coming from Oakland kind of, you know, synergized me to become mm -hmm. who I am. So, yeah. That's dope. What was, uh, what were the money conversations? I don't think we got into who, like who was uh, in your house. You mentioned, your aunt raised your mom. Right. Who was in your house, and what were what were like the money dynamics in terms of conversation and exposure to what what money is? Yeah. So, um, so my mom um, and my dad divorced early. So um, we that's why we left and went back to California because my mom, being raised in California, she was more comfortable with California. So um, for me, um, my mom really instilled a lot of principles in me. Um, and then when I came back to Dallas later on, which we'll get to that part later on also, too, that's when the, the business and the construction side of me kind of took off. But I mean, I started working at the age of 11. I worked for the Oakland Tribune. Um, they would pick us up on Sundays and we would sell newspapers um, in front of restaurants. So, you know, at an early age, you know, I started making money. Um, and there wasn't a ton of money, but it was instilling a work ethic in me. You know, I think I opened up my first bank account when I was 13, um, started saving money. Um, and just kind of, you know, that entrepreneur um, spirit in me was, you know, I, I got to go get it done, you know. Um, so and even going to college, you know, I, I knew my mom really couldn't afford it. So my mindset was different. I, I knew I needed to help her out. You know, I need to get a job. I need to make sure that, you know, if, if I want to go to college, that she doesn't have to pay for me to go to college. So um, I, I knew that very early on. So it kind of helped with my work ethic and mindset. Gotcha. So so early on, it was, you, you, you picked up money. Would you say like? I feel like part of it might be extinctual, but part of it was also like just a like necessity, like grit. You're like, hey, man, I got to 
I gotta get it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be broke. Right, right. Yeah, never been a lazy person. Um, you know, always wanted to try to do things as ethical as possible. So, um, you know, I always wanted to work. You know, even when I was, you know, younger than that, I wanted to work and do small things and you know do chores around the house and you know go help people out. You know, so um, yeah, I knew that you know if I wanted something in life, I was gonna have to work for it. You know, so wasn't afraid to put that work in. Quick aside about nothing. Me moment. Uh, when you mentioned doing chores, man, my my mom beat me one time. <laughs> right? And she beat me because, I, in hindsight, I was really stupid, but I might have been seven or eight. Maybe, no, I say six or seven. And I was trying to be nice. So I was doing some stuff around the house just out of the goodness of my heart. And um, she paid me for it. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want the money. And she was like, no, take the money. She was teaching me a principle, but it wasn't really a full conversation. It's like, take the money. So I took the money and I cut it up. And right, that face right there, <laughs> that face right there says, wow. you know how that story ended. Yeah. But she, um, she beat me and, and um, my, my dad told her she couldn't do it again. Wow. That's how it was. <laughs> so my, my mom goes from here to there. Like there's only, most people know one side of it. Right? Like she could never. Um, but I say that in, it was true, but I say it in just in terms of um, understanding money principles early. Like, how do you think that has impacted? You mentioned opening a banking account early. I think I've been a member at the at the credit union for thirty eight years. <laughs> I'm forty four, so my mom kind of did that too, right? And and at the time I didn't understand it, but she was like, "We put five or ten dollars a week, like we increased as we could." And early on, I'm thinking that's that's nothing, but now understanding that I got five kids and what that can do and how it can compound makes a lot of sense. And they weren't the most money literate, right? So you getting those principles early, how do you think it has sustained like your business mindset, just having that foundation? Yeah, I think it's been tremendous for me. Um, I think, um, you know, most people that look like us, we don't really get those, you know, money principles and foundations that are at an age where we can implement them, you know? So for me, you know, just going through the things I want to do in life um, definitely has shaped our company to this day, you know, to become successful, to be able to sustained through periods of COVID and ups and downs. And, you know, um, yeah, I think, you know, th those are just things that, you know, most oftentimes, you know, you know, in our community, it's not often talked about, you know, so even for yourself, you know, being able to do those things with your mom, you know, that was a, a blessing. Those are things that we don't normally do, you know, so, you know, I'm super thankful that I, I was able to get those principles. And, you know, to this day, you know, I, I understand, you know, money's currency is supposed to flow. I understand that, you know, if you're not responsible with it, you know, it will leave you, you know, and just, you know, just different things like that. And then investing, right? You talked about compounding interest, you know, also too. And, you know, the earlier that we can do that, you know, in life, you know, how, how better off we will be, you know, but, um, you know, I appreciate, you know, the, the things that I went through. Um, I appreciate, you know, the, the knowledge that I learned from, you know, just talking to people, you know, especially older people. Um, so my dad was very influential in that part of it for, for me on the business side. And then I had a cousin who was involved in real estate who was, very influential on that side as well too so yeah you, you took the word that i'm out so if you if you don't mind like elaborate because i was going to ask what was the what were the early meaningful conversations where you began to like leveled up your your understanding of money so i think like with my cousin um, i started to understand credit you know understanding how valuable credit was you know um that you know there, there's a risk business with lending money there's you know you know understanding if you don't have it you know you have to you know either save it up or you have to be able to establish credit you know so um i think for me you know being responsible with my credit was super important uh, understanding you know credit scores and ficos and how those things work 
I'm understanding how to, you know, build more credit and things like that. And then just kind of understand the principles of real estate as well, too. Uh, I think it was just super important, you know, for me. And when did those conversations happen with your uncle and your or your cousin? And yeah. Your dad? So they happened pretty early when I was in college. I would say around my sophomore year, I started to understand that, you know, hey, you know, if this basketball thing doesn't work out because I played college basketball, you know, that I, I got to have something to fall back on, you know. And I was always really, you know, business oriented, but just really trying to understand, you know, hey, next level, if this plan A doesn't work out for me, you know, how can I, you know, still be successful in life? And so that kind of sparked my interest in, you know, talking to him about real estate and about credit. And a lot of those conversations came up at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned basketball because you, you kind of framed out the story of, of you knew you had to figure out how to get to college, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of a gap. I wanted to jump back to it. So basketball, was it like full ride or? Full ride scholarship. I played Division One basketball at the University of California, Riverside. Okay. How, what was your trying to ask it the right way what was your um like how far did it take you and how satisfied are you or were you with that ride yeah so i i feel like basketball really saved me um and we didn't really talk about you know the 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 bad sides of oakland right but there's obviously things that you know people my age were getting into that you know led to you know not promising paths you know but i think basketball kind of kept me in a in an area where um kept me in a positive environment um kept me around good people allowed me to travel um, and then put me around some really good mentors, you know, my coaches. Um, at that point in time, my dad wasn't really involved in my life, but I had a lot of mentors that really, really poured into me, um, instilled in me discipline, the work ethics, you know, just focus, teamwork, you know, just how to compete. Um, and I think a lot of those principles, you know, helped build my life skills to be successful in life too. So um, basketball really is super important to me. And even to this day, I have an AAU basketball program. Um, that I use as a ministry to give back to kids because I feel like a lot of the kids um, that I coach now were were me, you know, and that's my way to kind of give back, you know, as well. So I, 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 this is this is a random question, but it's it's been forming as we've been talking, and it's been a theme in all the people in Oak Cliff that we've interviewed. It's, Oak Cliff is a big thing because <laughs> me, me me and my wife were just just talking about, and I'm I'm a, I'm talking about it, and I'm gonna say it in the. I'm saying it in a non, I'm just laying out the facts of the situation, right? Like, like um, the whole Russell Wilson thing, you know what I'm saying? Who I celebrate him because he's a successful black man, but the culture is like not behind him. Like his teammates, like the culture, you know, he on Twitter congratulating his wife and they in the comments just ragging on him, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, which is part of what comes in the territory, but the culture don't accept him. And I go, and then you, you dig into the past and you you hear about it, you go, oh, okay. Like, like there's one aspect of success that is like success. And then there's the other aspect of success in the current perspective of the world where it's becoming more brown, where it's success without leaving the culture behind. And so I'm noticing a theme where the ones that are successful and thriving uh, and doing it in a way where they haven't forgot the culture like the culture loves them, right. you know what I'm saying? And then the ones that have become successful and, you know, um, it's not partially not their fault. They just don't speak the language of the culture. Like the culture is like, uh, you know, not connected to them. I can, Do y'all see I that? I definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people, we evolve, you know, so yeah. I mean, you're going to be exposed to things, you know, as a professional athlete that, you know, maybe you weren't exposed to, you know, growing up. 
Um, and then sometimes people that where you come from, they might not extend, understand those levels, you know. So but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you should never forget where you come from. Um, but at the same time frame, you know, people have to understand that people do evolve. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, even though that, you know, we change places in life that, you know, that, you know, we're still not cool anymore, yeah. or that, you know, that I'm not, you know, socially acceptable no more. Or I can't go back to my hood or wherever I, I came from or whatever that might be, you know, but it just means that, you know, I've evolved and I'm growing a little bit. And, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, you know, you know, you don't forget where you come from at the same time. And you still can, you know, reach back and, you know, yeah. help somebody else out that's, you know, that looks like you, you know. Something you said that uh, jumped out at me because um, like my, my ministry is in the fatherhood space and it's more so it's less about me being an expert. It, like I'm not an expert father. I'm just a willing example of how I'm doing life and what's working, and what's not working. And it's kind of resonating with people. But you mentioned your dad wasn't there at that time. It, can we pry a little bit, kind of understand when that shift happened? Yeah, so we were about, uh, I was about three, and I had, I have two other sisters who we, we shared the same mom and dad, and then my dad had three previous kids before that. So my dad had six kids by the age of 30, and he was a very successful businessman in construction. So my dad was a commercial masonry contractor, so he did brick, block, and stone. It was very successful in the early age. Um, Obviously, sometimes with money, you know, people get caught up in the wrong thing. So my, my dad got caught up in, in, in drugs and, you know, that kind of separated, you know, us from our dad as a family. So my mom and my dad divorced. Um, so from the age of, I would say, probably four to about the age of 21, um, you know, I was not around my dad at all. You know, mm -hmm. my dad was homeless. He was in the streets. You know, um, and so there was a lot of things that different dynamics that, you know, separated us from our father. Um, but as a kid, man, I would pray for my dad every day, man, you know, that, you know, that, that, that God would keep my dad and he would cover him. He would protect him. And man, when I finished school, um, I decided to move back to Texas. So I was telling you guys about my cousin who was heavily involved in the real estate. Um, and so they actually found my dad, man, you know, after so many years of being homeless and on the streets and things like that. And. I ended up deciding that I was going to move back to Texas. I thought I'd, I'd come out of college, it would come out of high school that I was going to go to the University of Texas to play basketball. So I had mm -hmm. probably about six or seven offers from Utah State. That was around the time when Kevin Durant was there, right? He, well, that was before uh, before Kevin Durant. So it was when T.J. Ford. I don't know if you oh, remember. Oh, yeah. I remember, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah he, we played against him. Did you? Because uh, I was in this district. Yeah. And uh, we, we were like the sorry school. Right. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it would be a revelation. I was like, wait, 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 right, right. Going on? But yeah, no, Rick Barnes was the coach then, man. So, I mean, I thought I was going there. I mean, I told New Mexico, no. Fran Fischella was the coach there. Um, so, but I thought I was coming to Texas at that point in time. Something always brought me to come to Texas. I never knew what it was. But, you know, we lived here at one point in time, but I was always fascinated and felt like my heart was still in Texas. So, uh, with my cousin being here in real estate and my dad being here, I felt like it was an opportunity for us to rekindle and reconnect. So I moved out here January 12, 2006, um, stayed with my cousin and my dad was there. Um, and I always had, you know, my cousin was involved in real estate. And so I was at the time wanting to, you know, maybe start building some houses, knew nothing about construction at all. Um, and um, obviously it's 2006, 2007. So, you know, the market was kind of starting to dip in on, on, on the real estate side. Um, and so, um, after the market kind of dipped, you know, my dad, I was thinking about either going overseas to go play basketball. Cause at the time I'm 25, 26, I'm in the best shape of my life, still playing, working out every day. So I was going to leave here and go back to California. Um, and that's when my dad was like, well, if you want to get into construction, you might as well get onto the commercial side of things. And me not knowing like at the time, 
you know, what levels and heights my dad was on, on construction, um, on the masonry side. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, we were just talking, shooting the breeze, man, you know, man, you've been homeless and, you know, I mean, you lost everything. Like, man, you know, I was the youngest of the kids too. So not understanding the heights that he had reached and what he had still knew, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so did he, did he have the business and lose it in his spiral and get it back? Or was the business after the spiral? So it went dormant, man. So once, you know, he, you know, got involved in drugs and things like that, man, the business went dormant, you know, for, for some years, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So in 2006, you know, I, I reincorporated everything, but still I was just still doing houses and things like that. Cause you know, my cousin was on, on the real estate side. So I'm like, okay, I can, you know, fix some houses up here and there, or, you know, maybe do some new builds and things like that. Um, but then the market kind of, you know, crashed. We didn't make any money at the time because, you know, we were building houses at cost and having to sell them at cost to, you know, even break even, you know. Oh, because of the 06 time period. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that's when it was getting time, crazy. You know? Yeah. But man, my, um, it was a blessing in disguise, man, because for me, um, I was able to be around my dad and he had a wealth of knowledge, man. I didn't, not, I didn't understand it at the time. But what I was able to get from him and for him, it was his opportunity to pay it back. You know, the time that we had missed and the gap that we had. Um, and I remember him always telling me some things, you know, he said, you know, if I, I didn't do a lot of things in my life right, but I know I did this right right here. Meaning he gave me a, a opportunity to be able to fish for myself, you know. And so we would spend a lot of time, man, just he would show me how to read blueprints and uh, man, I mean, show me how to lay block and brick, you know. Um, I mean, just the things that I needed to know. and. For a while, I, I thought, man, are you trying to scare me from getting into this? But he was like, you know, no, these are the things that you need to know. You know, these are the things, if you get these things here, that you're going to be all right and be successful. Um, so, man, my dad became my best friend, man. Uh, you know, he lived with me. I spent every day with him, man, for 12 years, man. He passed away in 2018. But, man, the, the knowledge and tutelage he, he gave me and instilled in me, um, I, I couldn't gain it in a lifetime, man. I mean, the dude was super sharp. Um, and I know he would tell me all the time that, you know, God can use a donkey, you know, you never know. He can speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So he was able to, you know, despite of the things my dad went through in life, uh, you know, that knowledge, that tutelage, that, you know, the experience that he had, man, it, it never left him, man. He, he was able to pour that into me and my brother, you know, so. Nah, that's dope, man. Do, do, do y'all watch that show called uh, Naruto? Hadn't seen it yet. Hey, man, it's, it's, it's good because it, it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of like, you know, like they'll they'll have like these previous teachers that had some major flaw, you know what I'm saying? And but that teacher will pass on their wisdom to them and then they will up. So it, it goes through his teachers passing on to him and then he passes it to all of his peers and then he becomes the leader. And then it starts the next generation where he, then his son, he has a son and then, and then right. His son doesn't have his flaws, right? Because he learned all of his flaws in a thousand episodes, but his son is a mix between him and his mom, which his mom covers his flaws, right? And then he evolves with this. So I'm like, and when you said that, I was like, man, that's pretty dope. Your dad just transferred his yeah. essence to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Man, it's a, it's a trip, man. Cause I, I think about even like principles of the Bible, man, like, and you know, most people that God using the Bible has some type of flaw, you yeah. know? Oh. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Paul was a killer. Yeah, I was, I was saying all, but Paul specifically. Yeah, man. yeah, man. You know, uh, you know, Moses couldn't speak. You know, stuttered. You know, and, and he was angry. He was um, an angry guy. Yeah, man. I mean, so everybody has some type of issue, some type of problem, man. But God was able to use them in a way that was, you know, able to transition. You know, the world, man. And it's you know, sometimes we often overlook people sometimes, um, and you know, 
we judge a book by its cover sometimes, man. And, uh, you know, for me, um, that was just the, one of the, the best blessings I could get in my life was spending time around him and learning from him. Yeah, that's dope. Was there, um, was there a process of forgiveness? And when and how did it happen? Because in my mind, you said you prayed for him often. It seems like you were already in the process of forgiving him so that when you came, he came back into your life. But right. I don't want to. No, no, no I, I, mean, I, I appreciate you asking that. Um, and me being the youngest. So there's there's six of us total. Um, and my brother, who I'm partnered with, partners with today in my business, he's 12 years older than me. So, you know, me not really seeing some of the things that they saw. I think um, probably I had a different perspective and outlook on, you know, you know, my dad. So I didn't really see some of the things that, you know, prior were in the negative connotation that he probably did. And it's more of me saying, you know, hey, I'm yearning for my father, you know, um, more so than them kind of being a little older and kind of seeing some of the things, you know, that the pathways he went down based on, you know, the things he was doing at the time, they kind of had a little bit more resentment, probably, I would say, than I probably did. So, yeah, I think and, I, and that's, that was kind of the cool thing, because um, even though I think some of them probably looked at him differently, I think when he came back into you know our lives and the the, the way that I accepted him and then was able to benefit from those things, I think it kind of opened up their hearts more mm -hmm. to him as well too. So yeah, yeah. no, that was a blessing, man. What what do you think? Um, what did, what did you personally like evolve from what he taught you? Right, because now because now right you started with the construction business, but now you're doing a lot. Like you're investing, you're developing. Like you know. Uh, How'd you evolve the knowledge and, and build on top of? Yeah, so so man, I think you know him planting that seed on the construction side, my cousin planting that seed on the real estate side. I think you know, kind of galvanizing those two industries together, kind of sparked an interest in me to say, you know what, you know what can I do on a bigger level um, that would you know be able to, to to touch more people. And so for me, the next evolution for me was the development side of it. Um, so I started studying you know developments and acquisitions and you know, rezoning, replats, and just anything on a development perspective, um, because I felt at the, at the end of the day, you know, me being able to control a project, I can control the equitable opportunities that could be given to people, you know, who would be the architect, who would be the engineer, who would be, you know, the contractor. And for me, um, it's, we have to be intentional, you know, because, you know, as a people, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're behind the eight ball in a lot of things. And so we have to really be intentional to, you know, one, you know, help people get to certain levels where they can be able to provide for their families. And, you know, and most people look out for people that look like themselves, you know, because at the end of the day, if we don't, who will, you know? So for me, I wanted to create, you know, economies of scale and be able to impact my community. And I felt what better, better way than to do that by, you know, creating the, a development, you know, it's going to create, you know, tax bases, it's going to create jobs, it's going to create, you know, just equitable opportunities, you know, for myself and for others. Mm -hmm. So, well, so let me let me ask you this: because This is my selfish investment thesis, and you and you in the world. So, like, I I I feel like, man, the world is is changing, and and you mentioned earlier, like biases, resentment, previous opinions, blocking the ability to see uh, the beauty uh, unfolding, and so I feel like. Uh, if you and I walk into uh, certain restaurants here in Mansfield, and one of them particularly is partially black owned, we won't be treated with the same level of respect as a traditional Mansfield person that we make more money than, right. you know what I'm saying, because of how we look. Right. And that's prevalent like 
that, so I, you know, I'm using that example because one of these owners is part black, but he's from a previous generation and, and can't see the world for like what it is. Right. So I'm, I'm saying it to say, to me, in my mind, I go, that, that triggers a development opportunity because there are businesses like Mana Juice Bar, whiskeys, that are expressing a high quality experience because Mana Juice is not inexpensive, right? Neither is whiskeys, whiskey drinks. But, but they're thriving and making money because they're building businesses around what previous generations said. Could, they said, you, you can't build this for black people because you got to build chicken and, you know what I'm saying, chicken. And I love chicken, by the way. Like, you know, I, I'm not discounting chicken. Like, I'm a chicken connoisseur. You know what I'm saying? But, but you had to do, you know, chicken or you had to do, uh, uh, what is that, the, 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 the lending shot. You had to be a loan shark. But I'm like, that changed. Yep. This generation... And there's no, there's not enough businesses to support our money. Right. I mean, do you feel the same man, way? I, I agree, man. Um, I think, man, Dallas, Texas, and just Texas in general, man, there's a lot of successful African-Americans, you know, um, especially in this Mansfield, uh, Cedar Hill, uh, Midlothian area, man. I think there's a lot of opportunities for people that look like us that are very successful for, you know, businesses to be able to, you know, support and to serve, you know. So I think if people aren't, um, you know, catering to, you know, to us as a people and people that are successful, I think they're missing the boat on a lot of those things. So I think it definitely needs to be more, more acceptable, you know, for people to have, you know, the old way of thinking, I think they'll lose out on a lot of opportunities that exist today, you know, by, you know, not catering to people that look like us that are successful. Um, man, Dallas is an awesome place to be, um, you know, meeting people like yourselves that, you know, think outside the box that are super smart and sharp, um, that, you know, goal oriented, you know, um, and that are doing, you know, great things, man. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great place to be for sure. We're going to take a break right now here from a sponsor. We'll be right black. If you want to hit a home run, you have to be invested in something that you fully believe in. And that even though it's relatively immature today, you, you see where it's going. You believe in it. You commit your capital and you allow it time to mature. This episode is sponsored by the Wealth Building Made Simple Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other major podcasting platform. We are black with the good brother, Kevin Butler. Um, amazing conversation so far. I want to I dive back into the development opportunity that you were just kind of laying out. And I'm curious as to how you saw that as the opportunity. Did you have experience with the individual components of it, like you worked here a little bit, you worked in this, uh, you know, aspect a little bit, or did you just understand the opportunity for what it was? Um, I think it was a little bit of both, right? So I, I think I understood the opportunity for what it was, but I started to learn those principles being around people like my, my dad, and my, my cousin. Um, I knew that, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, to, to be able to see something to have a vision for things that people often overlook. A lot of these things are, you know, raw land that people pass by every day. Um, they can't see an exit strategy. They can't see a vision for what it is. And now I don't, I don't know what it was, but you know, uh, maybe it was something that got placed inside of me um, that was, you know, a, a purpose or a gift or whatever, but I was able to see some things that I think that maybe other people overlooked. You know, so um, I think, you know, that's kind of kind of how, how, how it started for me. But then I, I didn't know much about it, but I, I studied a lot. You know, so one of my things is, you know, research, you know, studying, trying to make sure I, I get up before 
you know, people do, you know, so I wake up every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Still. Uh, still. Yeah. Without an alarm clock or anything like that. I mean, a lot of time that's when I'm, I'm doing my, 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 my best thinking, my, my best research. I feel like God speaks to me a lot clearer. I can kind of hear things without the noise going on. So for me, I, w- I, w- I would do a lot of research, you know, especially at those times of the morning, you know, and just kind of prepare my day, you know. Um, but yeah, didn't know much about, you know, development, you know, but studied, you know, acquisitions, you know, studied, you know, just rezoning and replats. I'm um, studied banks also too, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, having access to capital was super important. Um, and, you know, granted, you know, it, it helped, too, that, you know, we were a successful co- uh, construction company starting to make money. And I think that kind of helped with our relationships with the bank, but still understanding how to, you know, how to leverage more of what the bank had to offer and to be able to do bigger deals. So, yeah. So. um, My God meter, I think you're at 17 times mentioning God. Yes. Which I'm a fan <laughs> of. OK. Um, in jazz people, I don't have a God meter. Um. How how does faith play into who you are as a man and who you are in business? Um, my my faith is super important to me. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, I think you know purpose. I, I, purpose always comes to mind with me. I feel like you know, I feel like God. You know, and people call him God. People call him Allah. I respect everyone's religion, no matter what it may be. You know, um, everybody. You know, but I think that we're all created with a purpose. And with the gift, I don't think, you know, I call him God, somebody else may call him Allah, somebody else might call him Buddha, whatever it might be. I think your creator has created you for a purpose and with a gift, you know, and I think ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, you know, some people may have a gift of singing. Some people may have a gift of, you know, being able to speak eloquently. Some people may have a gift of being an athlete. Some people, you know, there's various gifts that we all have, you know. I think people are at their optimal levels when they can utilize that gift that they have mm. um, to not only benefit themselves, but to be able to bless other people. You know, I think that's when we're in our optimal alignment and we're, you're truly at, at your maximum level being blessed when you're utilizing your, gla- your gift to bless others, you know, so. How, how do you know it's your gift from, from your perspective? I think um, for, for me, I think it's just things that, that are, they come naturally sometimes, right? There's things that sometimes you don't have to work for, you know, I think that's why it's called a gift, you know, because it's given, right? So, um, and that's why sometimes when people are seeing, you know, you as Philip, you know, on the financial wealth planning side and say, hey man, Philip's successful doing that. And I want to do that also too, but that may not be their gift. So when they try to do it, they're not as successful as you are because it's not their gift. Their gift may be doing something else, you know, maybe hosting a podcast or maybe, you know, playing basketball, wherever they may be, but, I think oftentimes people get, you know, crossed up, you know, by trying to, you know, feed off of someone else's gift because they see them being successful at it and not understanding that they have a gift of themselves also. Mm. <laughs> crossed up basketball reference. No, I, 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 devil on top. <laughs> I, I saw it in my head, man. Let's, um, let's get into the, to the business, man. So we kind of understand the backstory. Your father is the wealth of information. Right. See what I did there? Wealth of information. <laughs> um, J. Cole, spirit in right. the room. D, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, we're going to talk. Okay, I'll stay off that. <laughs> um, kind of walk us through the, the stages of the business, right? Because it was your dad had the knowledge. He was coming out of a phase of his life, kind of working through. You guys connected. That was a synergy that created this business. How did it start? How did it fare? You mentioned making it through COVID. Right. Like kind of talk through some of those yeah. highs yeah, and lows. Absolutely. So so when we first started in about 2008, 
um, on the commercial masonry side, um, you know, I feel like, you know, my dad just kind of really advanced the the model for us, you know, because there were some things that we didn't have to go through. We didn't have to, you know, learn or have to reinvent the wheel on some things, you know. Um, but, you know, still being new in the industry, you know, there was a lot that I had to learn and pick up on, you know, from, you know, understanding, you know, how to read blueprints and understanding, you know, how to pursue projects and understanding how to you know, manage those projects and be successful on them as well, too. So uh, we actually had um, some guys that my dad taught back home in Mississippi um, who actually, you know, they're, they're not related to us, but they have the same last name. So they actually were um, in the masonry industry still and still had crews and things like that. So when I first started, um, even though I didn't have a crew ready to go, I actually brought them up from Mississippi and they actually helped us perform those first projects. And this is back in 2008. I think I did a, a concession football stadium for Keller ISD. Mm. Um, so we did the concession, sta um, st concession stands, we did the, uh, the press box, and we did the ticket booths over there. So it was a, probably a $400,000 contract at the time, but we subbed that work out. But I was able to learn, you know, with my dad being there and then kind of having guys that were kind of like relatives, you know, that my dad had taught that were still doing the business. You know, that allowed us to kind of, you know, get off the ground, get a contract going. And then for me to kind of learn on my first project, you know, um, with my dad by my side. So um, at that point, you know, I really got, you know, my, my passion, I think, from basketball and things I learned from that really kind of drove me to, you know, bid jobs, you know, at, you know, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, you know, you no, know, not get very much sleep. But you know, my, my passion was burning inside of me for the business to really grow and for it to be to the levels where, you know, my dad probably would have had it if he hadn't got sidetracked, you know. Um, so for for me, you know, having him around me to support me, to kind of coach me and push me. But then those things that you know I had within myself, too, I think really helped our, our business kind of take off and get to the next level. Um, and he was able to see a lot of our, our growth, you know, before he passed away, too. So that was kind of a cool thing. I bet that made him feel good. Man, yeah. He would never tell us, right, me and my brother, um, you know, to to. In our in our in our face, he would be like, you know, you guys, you know, aren't doing this right, not doing that. But behind the scenes, he he would be bragging to people, you know, family members and other people, you know, how how proud he was of us, you yeah. know, that we had, you know, took the business and you know, and grew up to levels that you know he wanted to, to get to. You that's, know, so. I, that's how that generation spoke love. You know right. what I'm saying? They they, <laughs> they was like, I love you. If I'm if what, what the coaches say, if I ain't yelling at you, that right. mean I don't I like you. you. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I agree, man. So no, it's kind of a cool deal, man. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so we started on the masonry side, but, you know, I've always had goals and aspirations of expanding our business and scaling the business. So now, you know, we, we do commercial masonry. Um, that's our bread and butter. You know, we're hands on. We don't sub out any work or anything like that. We have about 50 people that work for us in the field right now. We have about seven people in our office. Hmm. And now we're starting to grow on the general construction side on the commercial side. So. Right now we're doing um, joint ventures and teaming agreements with large prime contractors. So right now we're doing the Adult Active Center, which is a, a $50 million senior citizens recreation center in the city of Arlington, where we're partnered with Manhattan Construction. Okay. And then we have some pursuits coming up on some Dallas Convention Center stuff, some Cotton Bowl stuff. So really large project. And Manhattan is like a oh, national huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're the ones that built the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. They built the Texas yeah. Rangers um, Baseball Stadium. Um, so we're, we're partnering with firms like that to, to learn, um, you know, best practices um, on that commercial side of things right now. So, man, Dallas is a, a great place to be. Texas is a great place to be. Perfect time for us to really scale our business on the 
on the commercial general contracting side as well, too. And we're already starting to pick up some equitable opportunities there, too. And, and to give folks background on the podcast and you can fill it in, explain like, you know, Wall, you know, Wall Street is to New York as developers are to Dallas. That's true. And, yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah. Man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, Texas is full of land, but. You know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of corporations moving here. Maybe uh, too many. A lot of people. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the population is growing, too. A lot of these cities are are experiencing some explosive growth right now. So, yeah. So there's a lot of the schools that have to be built, you know. So a lot of our work on the masonry side is a lot of K through 12 stuff. I'd say probably about 50 percent of our work. But we do a lot of stuff at DFW Airport. Uh, we do a lot of federal work. Uh, we do some retail as well, too. So we build Walmarts and. Um, man, tractor supplies and, you know, man, Winco food stores and then just, you know, hotels. Yeah. So I, I got, I got to jump back into my, uh, my supply chain bag. Okay. So that's what, that's where I came from. That was my 20 some years in, in, in a corporate, uh, made it to the executive space. So I could kind of see it from being a buyer to being a VP. Right. Mm -hmm. So I kind of ran the whole spectrum and that's purely for context. <laughs> but one of the things that, um, was always a challenge was supplier performance. So I imagine at some point you said, we don't subcontract anymore, but you mentioned prime contractors and I came from the federal government side. So I know the importance of, as a prime contractor, having reliable subcontractors right. and the reliable ones at some point started to make sense as a joint venture or as a teammate. Absolutely. What were some of those things that differentiated your company from others that kind of accelerated you, if that's an appropriate description? Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's a great question. So I think our company um, started to become attractive towards those larger primes like the Manhattans and the, the Balfour Bees, um, one through us working with them. So, you know, we were a masonry contractor of theirs, right? So they had some experience in working with us and, you know, how we manage our work and, you know, um, the quality of work that we, that we produce, um, you know, how safe we were. And so I think there was some synergy there amongst the cultures. Um, and I think, um, you know, just developing those relationships too, right? So understanding, you know, it's at the same time, you know, hey, is this company going to be growing? You know, you know, what are their goals and things like that? So I think a lot of those things kind of lined up. Um, and so I mean, it was just the perfect timing for the perfect storm, you know, but I just think that's being responsible, um, being ready, willing and able. And at the same time, you know, kind of aligned us up to be, you know, prime candidates for those larger prime contractors. I mean, I think the times is different too, right? So we have to understand the climate we're in too, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion are mm -hmm. huge now, right? There's a lot of people, you know, mayors that are, that look like us, city council members that look like us, you know, school board members that look like us. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have a lot of people that are, you know, in key roles, you know, that want to see people that look like them, you know, grow and have opportunities for prime contracts and to be able to evolve, you know, because at the end of the day, um, if we don't, you know, then how I'm going to tell this little kid, you know, hey, you can be a successful, you know, contractor or you can be a successful, you know, general contractor or developer when they have nobody that looks like them, you know. So it's super important to make sure you reach back like that. Yeah, that, there's a lot of money in that space. And I, I know from experience, like the, uh, the government set asides, right? Right. So even if, like, I see a lot of pursuit or, um, like making it popular or, or cool to pursue the contract directly with the government for their small business set aside, but you may have a $2 million opportunity direct with the government and you may have a $30 million opportunity because the prime contract is 5 billion with the prime contractor. 
So the message is don't miss the opportunity <laughs> to be a sub right. just to say you're working. And a lot of times the sub gives you that experience that you need to work directly Man, with absolutely. the federal Yeah, so, I mean, those, those companies are successful for a reason, you know? So, I mean, I mean, just, you know, if you're trying to scale your business and, you know, trying to grow it, I mean, just those standard operating procedures that you learn, best practices. I mean, they, they have some of the sharpest people. So it may behoove you to not, you know, want to, you know, joint venture or team with those type of people and to be sponges to, you know, get some of that knowledge and tutelage on how you can be successful once you branch off to, you know, become your own person, you know. Money flows downstream. It does. <laughs> Currency, yeah, right? Currency. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's talk about like, um, you, you mentioned, and, and we, we have not talked about it off camera, but I'm curious about it because you mentioned like intuition. You didn't say intuition, but you said, man, I was driving. And I, and I saw something and I didn't have any background in it, but I just knew it would work. Like how, so you use intuition. I think it's one of our connection points because we're both pretty intuitive guys, but how would you, how do you activate it on purpose or do you, or, or do you have a process for activating it on purpose? Yeah. I, I don't know if I actually have a, a process of activating it on purpose, man, but it's just something inside of me. So if I'm driving and I see something that, you know, to me sparks an interest, you know, I'm going to want to, you know, further investigate that. And I don't, I don't know if it's just, I'm not purposely looking for things sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think it's just me having an open mind and being, being ready to accept those things that come, you know, in front of me and me being able to utilize a gift that, you know, I think, you know, it was given to me. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's where those opportunities come from. Um, and I think just following through with it, right. You know, a lot of times people see things, you know, and, you know, we may understand it, but if we don't follow through with it and put some action behind it, you mm -hmm. know, it's just, you know, it's a dream, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just think, you know, everything I've went through in life, you know, and those opportunities that present themselves and then me being able to take advantage of it and execute kind of, you know, made me who I am. So No, no, yeah. I'm, I'm retranslating. You tell me if I'm right. I think you, you feel something that feels right and then you go afterward, you go, you go forward with it, which it feels like when you do that more consistently, you like keep the stream open. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, every, every, time, every time that, you know, you pass something by, I mean, it's, it's not a deal. You know, it's not a, you know, a, a go. You know, it might be a no-go, you know. And there's a lot of no-goes, I think, before there's some goes. But I think just having that mindset to understand that, you know, a no gets me one closer, step closer to that yes, you know. So I got to keep my mind open, you know. I got to, you know, be willing to, you know, accept things that, you know, come to me, you know, as well, too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm super interested in that because a lot of, a lot of people, and you said it earlier too, like a lot of people think that business has to be, it's supposed to be hard. You know what I'm saying? Because when people are on stage, they go, they go, ah, oh, you know, hard work. I did all this hard work and you got to do hard work. And I go, and I, and I really go, let's be honest, like, like and people will hate to hear it, the truth. But the truth is the biggest wins are the easiest. Well, I, I think, and I want to get your, both of your perspective, I think was maybe misunderstood. Because I don't think people who say it say it on purpose, but I think what's misunderstood is we go into situations with preconceived biases and judgments and limitations that's blocking the flow of the whisper from God. That's, mm. You know what I'm saying? And it takes us banging our head against the wall to be like, all right, I'm going to let go. And then, and then it flows through and then you go, I worked hard. Mm, you didn't have to. Right. <laughs> nah, I, I agree, man. I think, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, man, I think, you know, there's, there's principles and things that, you know, we, we learn early on or that, 
you know, that we evolved to, too, you know, I mean, and, you know, you have to have a work ethic, you know, I think, you know, but same time frame, too, like, you know, what does your stick to look like, you know, mm-hmm. when something doesn't go your way, you know, I mean, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of mindset do you have? Are you going to research and do things that you need to do in order mm-hmm. to be successful in that, in that area, you know? Um, what what does fear look like for you? Are, are, are you scared? You know, um, a lot of times people are, are, you know, they're they're halted by by fear. You know, they're they're they can be super successful in business. They have all the skill sets, but they're scared. Yeah. You know? So I think it can, be, it can be a plethora of different things that can that can hold you back from being successful. But I think you know, at some point, it, it does become easy. You know, it becomes repetitive. You know, but you have to have a mindset to where you know. You know, you're gonna do it consistently. You know, yeah. you know. So I think that's maybe that's the word. The hard work comes into it, where it's like, hey, I gotta wake up and do this every day. I gotta wake up and say, today I'm gonna be a champion again. Even though I won yesterday, you know, that's where the hard part comes into. Can you can you do it again the next day? Yeah. And the next day and the next day. Consistency. You know, and I often I think like about it. too, like Muhammad Ali said it too. You know, um, he said he hated every minute of training, hated it, but he said he'd rather suffer now and be a champion later. You know, so. And, and I think, and I and I think. And I'm like, I'm vibing on this because you're saying some words that are connected somewhere. We need a new word for it. But I feel like I feel like work and action are similar. Yes. And it's necessary to have things happen on this plane. Right. God works through man. Right. Right. So the work is necessary. But does it, you, you don't have to put hard before it. You, you, it can it can feel easy. Right. Meaning like like we work on this yoga project. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm back to like you know, working, doing stuff at eight, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, but I'm excited. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, so to me, it's work. But it's but not it's, work. Yeah, but it's because I would do it for free. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. But as, I, a, matter fact, a, passion, yeah, as, as a matter of fact, I'm doing it negatively right now because I'm spending money and I haven't really made any money. <laughs> I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's relative to where you assume the breakthrough will happen. Mm. Because we much of our experience is lived through the lens of other people that have had their experience and it's influenced how we think some of that, like it informs how we think. And it's good. Like I I would often rather have your experiences of running into a wall and taking that information from you than me going to get the data of running into a wall and turning it into information. So when we can't see when it's going to click, I think that's where we have that um, that angst about is it is it worth it? Is this really my thing? Should I be doing something else? I know something else that worked differently before. Is right. is this investment worth it? Because that's where I am at today o'clock, right? I I know the world I came from. I knew what to expect every two weeks. Right. I knew what that allowed me as a lifestyle. And I got five kids and a wife. And was that really? as far as I was supposed to go, because when I got there, I was a little disappointed mm-hmm. because I put a whole lot of stock in getting there, like arriving versus what I was picking up. What they say, the journey is the, yeah. the you know, is, is, so, is the win. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's, it's kind of like that, that homeless guy, man, he was talking about, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, on, I don't know if it was YouTube or something like that, but he says, oftentimes we get to our destination and understand that it wasn't about the destination, mm-hmm. it was about the journey, you mm-hmm. know? And so, I mean, you, you speak to some good things there, man. First of all, man, you know, being a family man, you know, with, you know, with kids and everything, I think it's, you know, super important to understand that, that work-life balance, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get to our mindsets of wanting to chase, you know, money and thinking that, well, that money's our only wealth. Um, and we often missed on the things that are often important also too, you know, so I think there's, you know, there's a balance between, you know, financial wealth and emotional wealth and spiritual wealth. 
and social wealth and, you know, and then understanding time with that too, right? You know, that's our most precious commodity that we have, right? And, you know, if we spend all our time chasing one thing that we think is going to bring us happiness and we spend all our time chasing that thing and when it's all said and done, we have no more time left. Mm, right. Um, you know, we all, I think we've missed the boat, you know, so, I mean, I think family is super important. Um, I think, you know, but wealth is also too, right. To make sure you have a quality of life. So how do you balance those two things out? So I think that's where, you know, investments come into play, business come into play, you know, real estate, you know, those assets and things that you can acquire that, you know, create wealth that's sometimes independent of your time too. Right. Hmm. I think that allows you to really balance out, you know, saying I can win some of my time back you know, where I can spend it in other areas that are, you know, just as important or maybe even more important, you know, spending time with my family, you know, growing my family, you know, traveling, seeing the world, you know, giving back philanthropically, you know, whatever that might be, you know, but um, we often miss, I think, as people sometimes that don't think outside the box that time is your most precious commodity mm -hmm. and you got to figure out how you're going to spend it, you know, at the end of the day, so... Mm. What, what would you say is because you kind of jumped into the question like what, how, how do you define wealth and you started doing that so I, I'll, yeah. I'll put a little twist on it today and right now o'clock what is the most important non-financial wealth principle in your life um for me it's it's making sure that at the end of the day when it's all said and done that i fulfill my purpose by utilizing my gifts to not only bless myself but to bless others you know and i feel like at the end of the day I feel like your higher being, God, Allah, Buddha, whatever you call him, I feel like he works through people and I feel like he works through your gifts. So I think when it's all said and done for me, I want to be able to say, you know, when I had this conversation, when it's all said and done, when I'm gone from here and I meet my, my creator, for him to be able to say, you know what, you utilize your gift very well and it was purposeful. And at the end of the day, you know, job well done, you know. So for mm -hmm. me, that's the most important thing to me, you know. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't talk about that I want to make sure we bring up is you, you spend a lot of time like mentoring, uh, kid, you know, young men, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what got you into that and, and what are some of the blessings you've, you've got from that? Journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a, a organization called 3D sports and it stands for discipline, dedication and determination. And so right now we use basketball as a tool to build life skills amongst young African-Americans. And so, um, you know, right now we coach basketball. A lot of the kids, you know, are from inner cities, um, you know, that don't have much, you know, but we use basketball to travel, to expose them to different things, to teach them how to compete and to create, you know, just life skills that are going to be important for them right now, but more importantly, later on in life. And so we try to balance it out with, you know, you know, just the financial side of things sometimes, teaching them about credit and about wealth and creating wealth, teaching them about education. I'm teaching them about history, you know, um, and that's one thing we didn't talk about too, you know, but just how, how important history is, you know, because history tends to repeat itself, you know. Um, so for, you know, for me, um, I didn't often understand in school why history was so important until I got older, mm -hmm. you know, but he's teaching those kids about things like that too is super, super important. So I got to, um, I'm going to present this in a very shallow manner and we just met. So you can yeah. feel how you feel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, um, you present, and I'm talking shallow aesthetic. Okay. You present as a basketball player, not as a businessman. Do you experience that or has that been your experience? And I'm, I'm staging this for conversation because clearly right. you're a businessman. 
have there been challenges with the way you physically present being a black man, being uh, what they would say is, or, my, my sons look like you. Okay. So, so this is not, this is not hypocritical, <laughs> right, right, but right. just the way you present, I believe it's authentically you. Right. Has that been a challenge in any of your environments and how do you push through it? Yeah. Because we, we had the, we were starting to get into the code switching conversation. Right, right. Like how, how important is it for you to be you and win a business? Yeah, it's, it's super important for me. Um, you know, I'm, I, 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 I rock my long hair, my twist, you know, my, my beard. I'm trying to grow, even though it won't grow fully right now, but I'm, I'm still trying, right? Hey, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> this is a struggle beard. And I, I'll zoom in because I got the edits. Like this is, this is week three and right. month eight. I got you. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm experiencing this, some of those same struggles. So. This is since November 2020. <laughs> right, right. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but me, for, for me, it's, it's, it's super important for me to be able to be authentically me. But at the same time frame, too, I understand, you know, the environments that I'm in, too. So, you know, I, I, I like to dress up sometimes. I like to throw on a suit. I like to stay clean and edged up. And I like to be able to speak well to my to my peers and the people I may be in front of. Because at the end of the day, you know, if I'm trying to acquire some things in business, I have to assimilate to those environments sometimes, you know, but at the same time frame too, you know, um, I understand who I am. I understand what my goals are, what my objectives are, what my purpose is. So I, I try to never forget, you know, still where I come from is at the same time. So I think it's, it's very important to be able to adapt to your environments, you know, to authentically be you, but at the same time frame too, you know, to understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, we have to adapt to our environment. So, yeah, I, I, th I think that there's, um, and maybe it's, it's semantics for me. I think there's a true difference between code switching, like being somebody else for a period of time because of where you are right? and being a part of you in a certain environment because of where you are. Like I if agree. I'm holistically all these things, if, if I'm being this part of me in this environment, I really, am I really code yeah, I switching? You you know yeah, what I mean? get what you mean. Yeah, I respect that. So, yeah, yeah. Man, it's a, we, since we brought up the Bible, that's, Paul wrote about it. Paul was like, hey, when I'm over here, I might shave my head. If I go over here, I might do that as to not offend my other brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, a, it's, it's probably in Romans, because Romans is that deep one. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's cool, man. About to get a Bible study on right <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, start to wind down, man. Any, any other? Because nah, you know what I'm, I'm thinking. Like, yeah, the, like he, he answered everything you're talking about. Uh, and for those, if it's your first time coming in contact with this particular podcast, it's a joint podcast, um, where we saw Synergy, right? So mm -hmm. Phyllis Platform, his, his expertise is wealth management, wealth development. So I'm stealing that <laughs> along <laughs> the way. My passion is um, fatherhood. So, so dear son, as you're talking about your organization and you kind of, you know, pouring in the, in the young men, um, that's, that's of a big, big interest to me. And um, I would love to explore where we could find some some synergies kind of kind of in that space, man. Um, man. Good blessing, man. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about here. You know, talking to like minded people and being able to create synergy and opportunities to grow and be more impactful, you know. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll ask one question and we can wrap it up. What, so for those who want to get into investing in real estate, developing in real estate, and they hear the news say, you know, real estate is impossible, right? You know, uh, office buildings are going, you know, whatever. I don't even listen. I don't even know what they say because I don't even listen to them. Right. But whatever they say, which is a bad time to get in real estate, which they've said since the beginning of real estate, 
Like, what would you say to those <laughs> to those people who no, are listening to those people? That's that's a good question. So <laughs> at the end of the day, what I would say to people that are, you know, you know, just getting into real estate or you know, hearing things like that, I I say at the end of the day, um, you can win in real estate in any market, whether the market is high or whether the market is low, um, by understanding a couple of principles. So one of the principles is understanding history. History is gonna repeat itself, right? So we're in 2023 now. 2023 may have been just like 2011, which may have been just like 1996, which may have been just like 1981. Hmm. But we have to do the research on that to study the history, but also understanding economics, right? You know, buy low, sell high, right? So when we're able to put the history together with the economics, I think it gives us the loaded dice that we need to, to know to be able to play in any market, right? If the market's high, tells us how to play when a high market, you know, by understanding history and understanding economics. Is it time to buy? Is it a time to sell? Is it time to hold? You know, and then vice versa also too, you know, if it's in the low market, you know, by understanding the same two concepts, history and economics, tells me what, what, what maneuvers I need to make. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, we, we don't, even though it's, it's a form of gambling, real estate, stocks, you know, um, I think, you know, by understanding how to play with loaded dice, mm -hmm. uh, by understanding those concepts will help you to be more successful um, in any market, you know. So I think we talk about a lot of times with, yeah, you know, with, yeah. with the stock market, you know, being able to read things and, you know, forecast and, you know, there's super important principles that help you to be successful in those arenas. So it's, it's funny you use those time periods, too, because that's that's my feel for where we are economically too you said 96 yeah. 81 like those, those those were all time periods right before money had to be unleashed yeah. at an aggressive level right yeah. so i was like i was like yeah <laughs> it's some key dates man yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for Absolutely. sure yeah well my takeaway comes from uh one of the greatest invest investment minds of our generation um me no, 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 not, not that say out the greatest. I'm sorry, you, you like top five, whatever. Yeah, but, my story's um, not that been written yet. But, but Cardi, Cardi B said that she's a good investor. Just buy Birkin bags, so <laughs> they're better than real estate. So I don't, right. wow. I don't know how to give you a better investment tip than that, but yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. um, hey, there's probably some truth to that, right? Probably sure. so. Yeah. It's her experience yeah. and what she's seen. Like, if, well, so you, could, you, could flip, you could flip that on StockX. StockX be like, people be making some money on StockX. So it's an episode in itself. Yeah. Um, but that's been her experience. My experience has been this. Uh, this has been a rich conversation, man. Pleasure uh, meeting you and getting to know you or during this conversation. Um, before before we wrap, how can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on uh, you know all the major social media platforms. So I'm on Instagram. Uh, I gotta give you my handles. I think I'm Kev Three Butt on Instagram. Um, LinkedIn. They can just search Kevin Butler on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, definitely tap in, man. Love to you know kind of you know meet people and you know anybody can help people out man i'm definitely you know willing to do that anybody that leaves with linkedin is about their business yes, <laughs> yes, and, and especially if they don't remember their ig right <laughs> yeah, just follow me on linkedin right there you go. <laughs> anything else no i'm good man appreciate you yeah, yeah. Man, thank you guys for having me man. i appreciate your show too don't 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 another episode of the wealth blueprint series is in the books you guys are welcome. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Peace.